<laughs> First try. First try. Okay, so today we're going to talk about guidance. <laughs> so uh, Max and I are going to kind of split this up. He'll uh, talk about the first two points. I'll talk about the second two points. And then I mean, obviously we'll interchange yeah. as we go along. Uh, but that's how we kind of want to divide this up today. As we go through the different disciplines, you know, as we saw, you know, we just talked about confession, coming before the Lord and asking the light of the Holy Spirit to shine into our dark places and show us the areas where we need work. Um, also being able to receive the confession of someone else and developing those relationships in community uh, where it's not just about my vertical walk with God and it's my private, especially in the United States, we're very about our, you know, it's my personal walk with God. And yes, we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but this, our spiritual journey was never intended to be done alone. We're supposed to be in the context of community. So with that, we now move from confession. We felt the next logical step was guidance where you're not only seeking accountability regarding sin but you're seeking accountability and guidance regarding decision making um things that are not necessarily sinful but you're just not sure you know maybe you're feeling some conviction about something areas that are kind of the gray areas where you can't just make a quick easy judgment call does that make sense yeah so that's what we wanted to venture into today yeah and now one of the things just kind of what we talked about accountability and guidance from God is just because when I, when I was looking about it, this aspect, and I, I like to use more accountability, Trish likes to use more guidance, but we're pretty much talking about the same thing. The, the same thing. Um, it's just for me, working with men all the time, accountability is a big word that, that is used uh, all the time. So when I was thinking, I was like, man, this accountability thing has been from the beginning uh, that God has showed us how accountability works and everything else. And when I looked at it and just not talking about it, like with Adam and Eve, we saw a great accountability where uh, they sinned, right? And the first thing that happens is that God questions them. Mm. And that is the important aspect of The first they hide, yeah. which I think is just recognizing, we talk about confession, but our natural instinct, when we do something that we know is wrong and feel convicted or guilty or ashamed, we hide. But so then, yeah, then the, God comes. And the God comes and he asks questions. And, and the, for, for me, that was one of my, like, little things. Um, with he showed that for accountability purpose, there needs to be questions asked. Somebody told me before, if you never ask, you will never know. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you ask them, now that the person has a choice to lie to you or tell you the truth. And if they tell you the truth, now you can keep them accountable. Mm -hmm. So I think God... With of course wisdom and knowledge, that's how he come to towards the sin. There's a question he asked, and then of course there was consequences after the answers when the light was shining on what they've done. But the great thing about this, and it's an important aspect of accountability, there was restoration. He promised them that there's going to be a time when the Eve's offspring will put put a heel over the the serpent's head. So there was rest there was a plan right away for restoration between uh, hu humans and God. So that's that's that, that's kind of where my head was. But I loved it. And then as you read through the through the Bible, especially through the Old Testament, you see over and over again of of of, of sin, of questions, of consequences, and restoration over and over again. Especially right now, I'm in Kings, and every 
fill it every couple of months. <laughs> Somebody messes up, there's a new king. This is what you guys do. You guys go in exile. They remind them to bring you back from exile because you cried out. And it's over and over and over and over this again. Uh, and that's why Christ kind of had to come in to stop this this circle, and uh, which thankfully we do have accountability. Uh, the reason I think Trish and I went back and forth about accountability to God is that uh, there's, a, there's a place where it becomes, I don't want to say freedom, but it's like a space for interpretation where you're like, man, you know, like if you talk, come up to somebody, be like, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. And they're like, well, I haven't been convicted, so it's okay. Mm. You yeah. know, and then, and then it becomes like, then there becomes an argument mm -hmm. more, more than anything like, else. Who are you to judge me or? Yeah, anything like that. So the people find that freedom. And if I'm not being convicted, then it's okay to do. Because well, oh, it's just between me and God. It's just between me and And if God's not convicting me of it, then it must not be a problem. Mm -hmm. But what you're not taking into account then is the fact that scripture says over and over again that as we sin, we become, our hearts become seared. Mm -hmm. And we have blind spots, right? We're, we're blind. And so mm -hmm. we won't hear. Like God may very well be pointing out something or convicting us of something, but we're not hearing it. So we get into this dangerous spot when we just say, oh, well, you know, I have the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit will hold me accountable, and God will show me, and it's between me and God. Um, and we don't allow brothers and sisters in Christ or shepherds or mentors to come in and speak into those areas of our life that may need work. Now, we don't always have to agree. We don't have to allow them to control or manipulate us, but we do have to have safe, trusted people who have that we have that vulnerability and they do have that voice of authority in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's kind of, sorry, the door was too much. But... Yeah. Um, so, and, and that, that's the big aspect of it. And, and as we, as a body come together, there's, I feel like there, those are, there are some like red flags when you come up to it, but when they're like, what Trish said, like, uh, I'm not convicted. Uh, only God can judge me. You know, God knows my heart. I was like, okay, is is your heart lined up with with God for Him to even know it? You know, so it, it's just all these things that I feel like as we come together as a body and trying to um, guide people into the the right direction, um, we need to make sure that we do it uh, in the in the godly way, the way God has has done it. So. Uh, before we get into the three breakups of peer mentor and communal, the verse that kind of guided me to this, and then we're, we're going to break up some of the things, but the verse that kind of stood up for me was Galatians 6, 1 and 2. And, and it, it was very beautiful, for me it was very beautiful because there's other verses that are in the Bible, especially <laughs> from Paul that he speaks about accountability and how to deal with people who are sinning or people who are doing things wrong. Like he's, he talks about like if anybody who's sexually impure, just kick them out of the church. Don't even break bread with them. You know, like very, very strong uh, conviction and everything else. That he's, he calls people out in, in that matter. And there's some, but this one, I like how, how it's spoken about this. It says, uh, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, 
You who are spiritual should restore him gently. Then, but, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. And then the second uh, verse two says, "Carry each other burdens, and then this way you will fulfill the law of Christ." I, I, I really enjoy this. There's so many things that kind of kind of kind of points out to you. Like first of all, that one is if someone is caught in sin, that there's it's, the sin has been exposed. You know, so it's going to like how do you know how they expose? Maybe they tell you, maybe somebody else, maybe you asked. You know, so there's exposure. And then you, the next thing is you who are spiritual, is somebody who's mature. That the next thing that you're gonna do is gonna be guided by God. It's not gonna be guided by by what you think and what you feel. It's it's got to be guided by by what God is. Uh, leading you to say and what to do. It's there's a reason why it says you who are spiritual. Um, there, it's got to be guided by the spirit. Restore them gently. It's the restoration. So okay, they got caught. You have prayed about it. You have seeked wisdom in God's word, and now you're going to restore them. It's, it's 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 a beautiful picture of the church of bringing those who. Who fallen fallen away or just stumbled back back to God back to the body of Christ and the, the warning right behind it but watch yourself or you also may be tempted and that's where it comes in of judgment mm -hmm. like I am better than you and mm -hmm. it's such a it's a it's a big warning I feel like there should have been like a exclamation point right. watch yourself or you also may be tempted you might be tempted one to do the things that they do. They're like, well, they've done it and they got away with it. I can do it too. And I can personally tell you that I've been into that in that places where I was like, you know what? These guys are doing it. They're, they're leaders and they're, I can do it too. But if, if God led me to a conviction of like, this is where I'm supposed to be. That's where I should, should be. Doesn't matter. But after a while, like you, you, you hear the sins and whatever else. I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And I get tempted. But I think the biggest one in the church is the judgment part of like i'm better than him i'm gonna save this person and it's not it's it's the holy spirit that's gonna do it we're just gonna kind of push him along right and now the verse two carry each other burdens and then in this way you will fulfill the law of christ we need to realize when people are going through this it's a burden like you're talking to people who said hey i'm struggling with this this is a time where you can come next to them and walk them through it carry them keep it call on them find ways to help them it's it's a burden mm -hmm. and it's a burden for us not in the negative way like oh he burdens me it's more of like i'm hurting for you you're hurting and i'm hurting this is something that's hurting your family this is something that's hurting your your life your whatever it is like that that burdens me and i want to carry it with you so it was it was a very key verse for me when I, when i started we started looking at this accountability and bringing people um back to God and just keeping them accountable in the life, their spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Anything else? So I really like that. And uh, Church's verse, you told me today, Ephesians 4.17? 4, 4.15. 4, 15. So close. Ephesians 4.15. Can you read that since it's your first? Mm -hmm. uh, it says... Speaking the truth in love, we want all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So then verse 16, for him, 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the key is that as we develop relationships and start to hold each other accountable, uh, we, we have to balance truth with of what we know from scripture, what we see in someone's life, but we balance it out with love. And I think that so often we tend as the body of Christ to do one or the other where we speak truth and we're like, I can't believe they're doing that. And we're, mm -hmm. and there's judgmental or it's harsh or it's condescending or, uh, or the opposite where it's like, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I have my own things. And so I just, I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to love them. And meanwhile, Satan has them completely entangled yeah. and, and we should be entering that journey with them and linking arms and helping them to find their way. So, the key is, is that, like it says here, restore them gently and to watch yourself or you, you too may be tempted that, and that's where the way that we do that is to balance truth with love. Mm -hmm. So we have to speak the truth. If the Holy Spirit puts something on our heart, like, Hey, I noticed this about you and I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because I love you, I, I want to just bring this to the table for us to talk about. Cause I'm concerned, mm -hmm. not in a, how dare you? And what kind of Christian are you? But I'm going to tell you this because I love you. And together, let's figure out a way to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, or even just like listening and like help me understand. Maybe maybe it's not even what you think, but the Holy Spirit put it on your heart just to start having the conversation and to, to develop a better understanding of why the person was acting the way they were acting or doing what they were doing. So Yeah, and sometimes it's not it's even because of lack of knowledge. Like my people perish for, for lack of knowledge. Is, is sometimes you just don't even know the, the person might not know that it's it's a sin or something mm -hmm. that could be a stumbling block like I know <laughs> thank God that I had church, church around me when I when I just became a Christian because there were so many things that, that I was doing and she did not judge me for it she would just tell me like well it's your walk not mine but it's, if I was you <laughs> if I was you you know it was just one of those things where like I didn't know. So if, if you're new to to your to the faith, like sometimes if you haven't read the word, if you haven't like dissected or even just not know Christianese, mm. like I'm gonna put myself out there. But like the big word for for teenagers and young adults is like fornication. Mm. I remember like you shouldn't fornicate. I'm like oh, you shouldn't. What is it? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Like, you, you keep using those words. Or, or I'll try like, not to. Do not covet. I'm like, what does that word mean? You know what I mean? So even it's as, as simple as... Well, there was a big one that... This is a big one. It was the not using the Lord's name in vain. Remember this was just a couple yeah, years yeah, ago. They were like, oh my gosh, how did we... How did we not... Yeah. We heard a sermon about that, and it just, like, opened this... So we always think of not using the Lord's name in vain as like cursing, right? Like, you know, yes. <laughs> or use an actual word God when you're not. Right. Right. In the proper context, like blasphemy. And we're, and, and I mean, we're, we're not rookies, but we heard this and we're like, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> so they explain using God's name in vain means using God for your own vanity, using the church, using ministry, using, the name of God to build up your own kingdom, your own power, your own yeah. reputation. Yeah. So like all for done, the glory of God, was, I have 10,000 followers the, on Instagram. This was like, a rabbi wow. speaking. So this was a, this was a, from a Jewish point right. that they were talking, they were breaking down the 10 commandments and 
So that that was just power behind behind that that teaching. Because I was I, it it never made sense. I was like, why is this on the list? Like you've got do not murder, you've got do not commit adultery, and it's like, and don't like swear. Don't like swear. wait, don't what? Say God. And this rabbi unpacked it, and he was like, no, he's saying don't use the church, don't use scripture, don't use God and His name in order for your own vanity to build up your own kingdom and reputation and to build power and wealth for yourself mm. um yeah that was and we were like whoa that's that makes so much more sense why it's on the list now <laughs> because how rampant is that right i mean we that see it all over like right? yeah. people yeah i mean they go into ministry because it's it's an opportunity for them to be on stage and for people to be heard you know for their voice mm. to be heard mm. so yeah that's a that's just an example of of what we mean that Sometimes, even if you've been walking with the Lord a long time, there's there's those blind spots. And so we need to have other people come into that to help us to understand yeah, what sure. we might otherwise be missing. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why the accountability is needed in the church. Um, and, I th and I think it's it became a negative thing. Accountability becomes a negative thing for some reasons for a lot of people because people don't want to hear that they're doing something wrong. But if but you think it would be the opposite, like, hey, if I'm doing something wrong, can you please tell me? Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I'm about to step over the edge, can you, like, hey, slow down? But in the church, a lot of times we're like, hey, I'll, I'll do me. You know, I got this. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a sad thing. I'm sorry, you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I was just having that conversation with somebody else, and I was, she was saying she's having a hard time correcting somebody. And I was like, but the thing is, is... Uh, some people have just been through so much abuse that they can't hear any criticism. So it's not that they don't want to change. It's that they don't know how to separate anger from criticism. So um, that's a, you know, that's a side, side note. But no, it's I, important, though. It's very important. Yeah. That's where the gentleness to, comes in. Yeah. Of yeah. how can I frame this in a way that's loving and can be heard? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what I like, what just jumped out when you're reading the scripture from Galatians is it says, restore them, which implies there's brokenness. And mm -hmm. so it's often we're talking to people who aren't broken. And so right. that's why we get drug around with their drama because they're not broken. They're like, well, I'm not fixing anything. You fix it. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like the, the restoration speaks to the fact that we need to work with people who are in that place of humility right. also. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's it's also reflects on the, their heart. Are they coming in with confession and brokenness, or are they like, yeah, I struggle with it, but it's not a big deal. Yeah. So there's not going to be restoration there because they don't feel like they need restoration. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that you said that. Like, how do you do that? So I have I have four verses that kind of guides us into things that we um, how we should. Speak and um, let's break those up. Can you look up First John four twenty one? Mm -hmm. And then Sandra, can you mm -hmm. look up Matthew seven one and two? Mm -hmm. And then Mario, mm -hmm. can you do James one nineteen? Can you do Hebrews ten twenty four? So these are just the four ones that, that popped into, into my, into, I'm sure there's other way, things that we should be doing uh, connected to 
accountability. Uh, but these are the four that guided me. It was it was, it was great verses that 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 helps us with this understanding. You ready? Yeah. All right. So the first one is when when we keep people accountable, and Trish kind of talked about this with Ephesians four fifteen, but is love. So First John four twenty one. And this command we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Yeah, it's just really simple, but it's it's everything's got to be done out of love. We're not keeping people accountable to make us feel better or anything like that. It's, it's, there's got to be love that's behind our action. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Don't condemn others and God won't condemn you. God will be as hard on you as you are on others. He will treat you exactly as you treat them. Yeah, so the, the wow. whole, when you keep somebody accountable, it's, it's that uh, judgment. Like, you don't want to have that judgment. Like, he, you've got to be remembered that there's grace and mercy that we're walking with. Mm -hmm. So when you see somebody stumble and you want to keep them accountable, you're not doing that to knock them down more. We're doing that to to bring them up. Mm -hmm. So definitely no judgment or condemnation. Mm -hmm. Um, James one nineteen. Okay, so that is my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Mm -hmm. So the key is is there's listening. There's mm -hmm. got to be listening and accountability. And so I think Trish, Trish said that sometimes it's not. Here, this is what you should be doing. It's more like, help me understand why you're doing this. So help me understand, because the answers might help guide how we feel and guide them to understanding why what we're saying is could be dangerous for them in the, for their spiritual life or in their actual life. Uh, so definitely listening, it has, to, it has to be an aspect of accountability. It's not just talking at somebody. You did this wrong. There's got to be listening and where they Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why that's so, so important is that if we understand, even, even going back to the garden, right? Eve was tempted because she saw that, that the fruit was desirable for gaining wisdom. So there was an insecurity that she already had that drew her into her sin. So it doesn't justify the sin, but we, we have to understand that people don't, if, if they love the Lord, people aren't sinning just because they're evil and they want to do what's wrong. But a lot of times the, thing, the sins that we struggle with are directly tied to some sort of underlying wound, insecurity, sure, yeah. hurt. So it's really important to hear the story of like, hey, I noticed this about you. Could you tell me a little bit more about why you do that or where you think that comes from? Because when you get to the root of it, sometimes people are like, you know, I know I do that. I don't know why I do that. I hate that about myself. I've tried to not do that. And until that underlying trauma or issue is resolved, they're going to keep repeating and falling into the same trap over and over and over again. So it is very, very important to listen, um, to help understand the context of why what you see happening is happening. And then the last one is Hebrews 10, 24. Hebrews 10, 24. It says, 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So, I think we, I've shared this before about this verse. It's the, the encouragement of spurring somebody on. Like, you're, you're pushing them. It's like, hey, this is where you at. Let me kind of spur you on. Like, sometimes, I always think spurs, like... It's not very gentle. Sometimes it's not very gentle, but again, if I see somebody about to fall over i'm i'm gonna push them if i have to i'm gonna push them if there's a car coming i'm gonna grab them and i throw them to the other side i might hurt them i might be more physical than i should be but i just saved them for what was coming so sometimes mm -hmm. that encouragement might be a little bit of harder of a push and again we're pushing them towards goodness and love and good deeds, love and good deeds. i think that's important so you're you're gentle about the sin part of it but then as you listen and you hear and you discern, okay, Lord, what are you trying to do in this situation? Mm -hmm. Then you push people. The way that we overcome so often is that you have someone who loves you and cares about you enough to speak life and just to say, hey, listen, like you need to, we need to move through this because I see the calling that God has on your life and he wants to use you in this area and, and you're amazing with this and you're gifted here and you're gifted there and I want to see you flourish. Like that part is where you don't be gentle. You just pour it on somebody you spur them on towards love and good deeds so we're not harsh 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 and hammering them over the head with the bible about the sin you point out the sin you gently correct the sin but then you push them towards the good mm -hmm. yeah. and sometimes we have to be forceful because people are like oh you know they don't want to receive that they're like oh you know i'm just too shy or oh i don't you really think that i don't see that in myself and so you need to be a little bit more assertive about the good that you see in people and the calling of what God has in their life. So we have to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Yeah, and I, th I think we can, um, I think all of us here read the, the book Boundaries. And we guys did the marriages, the boundaries of marriage and everything else. Uh, the book that you gave me. I gave you the book Boundaries. I don't remember the, the book Boundaries. I don't know. We, I know, we were just talking about it like 10 minutes ago. I don't know where you were. But, but in, in that book, they talk about sometimes you have to be harsh with like drawing your lines with like, you're doing this wrong and this is my boundary and, and you're not going to cross this. And even if it means like when we talk about marriage, if it means that I'm going to be in another room until you calm down because my boundaries is not, you're not going to raise your voice at me. Yeah, and I'm gonna walk away from this when you're ready. So it might be harsh, like I don't want to be in the same room as you, but it's a boundary that was listed for the good of the relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and even in, in something like that, it's like, hey, my boundary is we're not gonna be able to hang out till this this is met because that's where you at. You know, and it's. It's, it's a hard thing to do, but it also pushes people to see uh, what they need, they need to do mm -hmm. and where you stand. Yeah. So, so those are the four things that we talked about. Love, don't judge, listen, and of course, encourage. Um, so the, the three things that uh, now that we kind of went through how it should look and everything else, just three examples of accountability and guidance. The first one we talked about peer, uh, peer guidance or peer accountability and you said uh, peers what you need to have someone as a brother or sister in christ who can just speak to you truthfully and honestly where you can be vulnerable where there's no separation of like authority or power but where they're really just a friend and yeah. you can just kind of let your guard down and and speak into each other's life so 
that's an area that we have to make sure if we don't have that space that we cultivate those relationships where you can sit down with someone as a peer and you can you can speak into each other like hey i noticed this or i noticed that yeah, and it becomes uh, with peer accountability it becomes more of a conversation mm-hmm. where lecture said i think that's that's the best way it's like i have noticed you know or i have seen and there there might be some like this is where you were this is where you at um this is where you might be going you know or anything like that but it's, it's just a conversation and we t- as we were talking about like there there was this peer accountability between paul and peter uh, in Galatians two eleven, it's a it's it's a long verse, but like Paul talks about it. when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. So Paul is a little bit harsh, <laughs> but there's a relationship there. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separated himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid to, of those who belong to the circumcised group. So he just kind of, he's like, he's like, I told him to his face, hey, before it was fine, and all of a sudden now, because these people are around, now you're acting a different way. Uh, so it was very, it was a very interesting part of him, and then he explains to him why he felt, like, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you were a Jew, Yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Like he confronted him and talked to him about accountability. And he told me what what happened. Like why is there a difference now? This is where you were living. This is not how you're living. So maybe not confronting somebody right in their face, but because but you of, made a good point. I mean, part of the problem was that Peter specifically was the one who had had the vision that all food, there was no kosher, non-kosher, that all food was considered clean and then was sent to the Gentile, to Cornelius. Mm -hmm. So Peter's supposed to be the head of the church. So it kind of makes sense in that context where Paul is like, listen. You're the guy who opened up the doors to the Gentiles. You're the one that God gave you a vision. Like, what are you doing? You know, Mm -hmm. so it does sound pretty harsh. But when you said that, I was like, that that actually, again, when you know the bigger context, you know, it, there's a there's different degrees that you have to come at something, and yeah. and really, as judgmental and harsh as it sounds, Paul was just holding Peter true to the his conviction. own calling mm-hmm. and his own conviction that he had spoken mm-hmm. over the church. Yeah, so that that's the conversation where there wasn't a power struggle; it was more of of a conversation of like, I know what God has told you. I know I've seen it, and this is where where I feel like you're you're at. Yeah. So I'll do the I'll do the next. So mentorship. Um, we're spiritual director. I just wanted to go. So again, just sticking with Paul because it's easy to kind of see when we look at one person, um, these three different contexts. So when Paul first became a Christian, he's on the road to Damascus, right? And he is persecuting the church. He's killing uh, and creating martyrs for the church. And he has this moment uh, on the road to Damascus where God reveals Himself. And, and God sends Ananias to him. Mm-hmm. And Ananias was already a seasoned man of God. He had been a disciple. He had been, he was a leader in the church. And so Ananias at first is like, no, I, ain't, I don't, this guy's going to kill me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared. This dude is a bad dude. Mm-hmm. And, and God says to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings, before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
So Ananias goes to the house and places his hands on Saul and then he heals Saul and then Saul stays with him and the rest of the disciples for several days and they just kind of pour into him and they correct him and they show him the way that he needs to walk. So this is an idea of, of like mentorship and spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is something that has honestly really been lost. Um, mentorship is something that we've heard a lot more about. People are like, oh, I need to have a mentor. I need to have a mentor. I need to have a mentor. Mm -hmm. But really the biblical model is more, it, mentorship is not as predominant as spiritual direction. So spiritual direction is you come to someone who is older and wiser in the faith, who has been further down the road with you, has done the hard work of their inward journey, and they sit with you and they listen and they ask you really hard questions. And they help you to hear what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. So they're not necessarily a mentor or a pastor. Um, there's actually people out there who have been trained as spiritual directors. If you're ever interested in one, you can actually look some up online. You can, um, this is actually a field. You could get a certificate in spiritual direction. If any of you are interested in that, I could give you some resources about it. It's an amazing gift and it's something that we need to cultivate in the church. And this is a person like nowadays, this has been a lot of times replaced by therapy. Basically people go to counseling, but in the church, the model was a spiritual director. It's someone who had already been down the journey before you, who had seen some painful things and could sit with you and ask you and say, you know, what has been giving you life lately? What has been draining you? Like, how are you doing with boundaries? Hey, I know this was an area of struggle for you. How are you doing with that? Where do you hear and see the voice of your God, of God in your life right now? And to sit down and again, they, they don't necessarily tell you, they don't talk at you and teach you and tell you what you need to do. They pull out and they help you to discern and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for yourself. So this is the second. So you need, so these are all three things that you need in your spiritual journey. So if you don't have them, you got to find a place for them. Yes. So the first one is peers. The second one is a mentor slash spiritual director. But again, when we're talking mentor, we're not talking the worldly model of someone who can teach you how to climb the corporate ladder. We're talking about someone who can teach you how to do the hard, painful, inward journey um, of transformation and freedom into the image of Christ. Someone who's not afraid to go through the valley of the shadow of death with you. And those people are hard to find. Mm -hmm. Someone who will sit with you while you cry, who will pray over you, who will be comfortable in silence. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I have been trained in. Um, so if you don't have that in your life, that's something that we could arrange and start doing. Uh, maybe even just like once a month. Uh, I'd be happy to do that with anyone uh, in core that's interested. And if you're interested and say, wow, that's like really cool. I've never heard of that. Maybe God is calling you to learn and train to do that. So there are schools and you can get certificates and you can learn how to be a spiritual director. It's pretty cool. Pretty amazing stuff. So I have had a spiritual director for the last six years of my life. She's amazing. And you may not have the same spiritual director for your whole life. It may just be for a season and then you outgrow and you find someone new to enter that season. Uh, but you find someone who's maybe even just two steps ahead of the journey mm. uh, who can lead you by the hand uh, when you're afraid to move forward. And then the third one is communal discernment. So again, looking at Paul, we see, so, so that one, you know, I, I just was explaining the spiritual direction. Ananias was like a spiritual director to Paul. 
Um, when Paul was blind, Ananias literally helped him to see the way forward. Mm -hmm. So the, the last one is this communal discernment. So we see in Acts chapter 13, um, there's 13 and 15, and we'll just quickly look at both. It says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, uh, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down, and then they began to do ministry. And so this is an example of how in the body of Christ, we, we can better hear and communally discern what the Holy Spirit is saying. And, and as, a, as a body, now this can be dangerous because a lot of times pastors and leaders step forward and there starts to be this prophetic word or the Lord has told me that you need to do X, Y, or Z. And so this is not, we have to, we have to enter into this biblically, but with caution and see that we need the full body to discern what is God trying to do? Like, why did he put core together? Why did he bring those of us who are at this table and those who maybe are not here tonight, but that are part of this body? Why did he bring us specific members? Like, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? What is it that he's trying to tell us? Um, and that we, we cultivate enough of a community, again, as we do these disciplines, praying and fasting, as we learn to really hear the voice of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to us individually, then when we come together corporately, we have more confidence to say, hey, I feel, even, even to offer, hey guys, I feel like God may be leading me into this or maybe telling me that. Do you think, I mean, do you guys see that? Do you confirm that? Like, or over each other, like, hey, I've noticed this about you and I just feel like we should pray over you. Um, we had a moment like that last week where we were in prayer and I just felt we needed to specifically pray for one of our members and, and to just not skip over it, right? Um, and that that's something that, but we don't want it to just be coming from us. That's something that we want from everybody as part of the body. We're here, they're like, it's, it's Barnabas and it's Saul. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna lay hand on you, we're gonna pray on you, and we're gonna send you out. And so there's this communal discernment. The other reason why communal discernment is, is important, we look at chapter 15. So Barnabas and Paul go out and they start preaching to Gentiles and the Gentiles start receiving the Holy Spirit. And it's like freaking out people everywhere because they thought the Holy Spirit was only for the Jewish people and the Messiah was only for the Jewish people. And here Gentiles are receiving the same anointing, the same prophetic words, the same. And so they don't know what to, they don't know what to do with it. And so some people said, well, then they, these people need to get circumcised. They need to become Jews. Mm -hmm. And other people were like, but why? Like they have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit didn't withhold himself because they were or were not circumcised. Like, why should we? So it creates, there's, there's this potential for the church to split, mm -hmm. right? And so this is an area, like we said at the beginning, where we start to encounter things as a community. Maybe that's happening in the world around us. I mean, we're living in the middle of a pandemic. The world is so divided right now. Vaccine, no vaccine, masks, no masks, race riots. I mean, there's just, there's so much polarity out there that the church, the community needs to be a safe place to say, what is God calling us to and how do we stay true mm -hmm. to who God has called us to be in this season, in this time? And what is our way forward? And so you see this model and we won't get too far into it, but I would encourage you to read Acts chapter 15 to see how they do it. 
the apostles and elders and, and the members meet together and they have all this discussion. And then um, Peter, who's the head of the church, says some things, um, but then Barnabas and Paul get up and they're like, but here's my testimony. Like, this is what I've seen. So they take time to hear each other's stories and they dialogue back and forth. Mm -hmm. And the cool part though, this is what I really wanna hone in on, is in verse 12, chapter 15, verse 12. It says, the whole assembly became silent mm -hmm. as they heard Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs, of miraculous signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. And this is what communal discernment should look like. That there's discussion, there's debate, maybe there's scriptures brought to the table. It may get really heated. And, and you're talking about real issues that are relevant and matter and have the potential to really either bring unity or cause a rift in the church. Mm. And in the dialogue, you take into account all the pros and cons, you take into account all the facts. Ultimately, it's rooted in scripture, but there's this point where there's a holy moment where the Holy Spirit just kind of brings a hush. Mm. And in the quiet, you hear the answer of God of what is the decision and what is the way forward. Mm -hmm. And so after that, James speaks up and he says, all right, this is what we're going to do. And he gives really clear, really clear direction. He's like, we're going to write a letter. Um, we're going to send Paul and Barnabas back, but we're not going to send them alone. Because we want people to know that the message they're sending is not just them, but that they have the full weight of the whole church body behind them. That, that we have the authority of the Holy Spirit, that we have discussed this, deliberated it, and we have decided in unity. And so there's this point of where, again, we have to be careful because we don't want to get into a place where people, it becomes like this mystical, magical, hocus pocus thing mm -hmm. where people manipulate or there's control um, it's not a power thing. It's, it's a discernment where everybody's sitting at the table as equals. And we're saying, I don't really know the answer on this. Mm. What does God want us to do? Yeah. And so you debate and you dialogue it. And then you, you have this moment of quiet. Um, and, and the Holy spirit affirms again, not something new, but the Holy spirit never contradicts scripture. So you're grounded in scripture, but then the Holy Spirit will affirm inwardly what we know outwardly from scripture. Does that make sense? Can, can I add something? Yeah, quick? I'm done. No, no, no. Just because I was just following you. I love verse 15, 15, 15, when James stands up and about speaks up about his judgment. He says in 15, it says, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. Right. So he makes a decision and then... He, he stamps it with the, scripture. this scripture. This is why I believe this is truth. And he doesn't like pick like one single verse, one word, half a, he, he has, I mean, he brings two verses. But, uh, you know, th there's power behind that. It's not like, well, I feel this, you know. No, this is, this is where this look and this is where discernment leading, this is where this is what, what God has put on my heart and it kind of go and it goes with the scripture and this is what we're going to do. And right. that, so I, the words I just, of the prophets, meaning the larger narrative of scripture yeah. tells us this. 
And so we, we're sensing this, but the word of God affirms. Because God, the Holy Spirit isn't going to reveal something new and weird that's totally unbiblical. Like, that's not, that's not communal discernment. And that's where communal discernment can go wrong. Because when we think that as a community, we can trump scripture. That's dangerous stuff. Yeah, we always say scripture testifies to scripture. Right. Like there's a scripture here that's something. The good thing for us that we have over these guys, we have the full scripture. They only have the, <laughs> the first half. But if you if you're reading through through uh, Paul's reading, a lot of the things he goes back to the scripture. And so even uh, Timothy three sixteen, the scripture is being used for teaching, instructing, rebuking, and. Uh, training and righteousness the scripture he's talking about is the old testament they didn't have the other scripture here so it's like scripture is going to prove scripture like the things that we're doing is based on god's word so the, that's where that discernment is very much needed uh, aligning I, I love what you said the holy spirit and, and the word is going to align together so the holy spirit is speaking something to you it's going to be speaking out of the word of god absolutely amen so those are the three that we, we need to make sure as we move into the discipline of, of guidance, that we have accountability from peers, that we have someone who is a mentor or a spiritual director to ask us the tough questions, and that we also have, we're planted in a community that can be honest and spirit-led and rooted in the word of truth. Mm. So we need those three things to be able to do this discipline and to do it well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was good. Mm -hmm. okay. We can just kind of open for thoughts, reflections, experiences that you guys have had around this, good or bad or ugly.